this garden grow All it takes is a rake and a hoe And a piece of fertile ground Inch by inch, row by row Someone bless these seeds I sow Someone warm them from below Till the rain comes tumbling Yes, indeed, it is time for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Peter Burke, author of Year-Round Indoor Salad Gardening. Our program today is brought to you by The Willie Store, your true value hardware store right there near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. By Menards Agway, your family true value neighborhood yard, garden, and pet place, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. Grow Compost of Vermont. Their website, growcompost.com. Compost, soils, and mulches, wonderful folks there just down the road from the radio station here, Route 2 in Moortown. And a Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you, Montpelier, Morrisville, Williston, and St. Albans. And Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, Main Street in Colchester. I was just down there, and boy, they still have so, so much for your garden. Clausen's.com is their website. Check them out for a mega Monday coupons. The coupons will appear Monday. They're good for all week, and great, great values, two-for-one things like that. P&R Lumber, locally milled lumber and family-owned right there, Route 15 and Walkett. And your locally owned Montpelier Agway store, seeds and feeds and so much more. They're on Route 2 in Montpelier. And uh, just down the road from us again, V's Flowers and Garden Shop. Complete service right there on Main Street in Waitsfield. Our telephone numbers are 244-1777. That's the 802 number. And uh, toll free from anywhere. 877-291-8255 for your gardening questions, comments about your gardening to uh, Peter Burke. And speaking thereof, let's welcome our host for the next hour. Here's Peter. Hey, Joel. Happy uh, belated 4th of July to mm -hmm. you. And, yes, indeed. Yeah. Did you uh, did you get any potato salad over there? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I had, I had some, uh, about the closest I had was some store-bought uh, coleslaw. Oh, there you and, go. <laughs> and uh, some of some bush. I don't know why I buy bush vegetarian beans because I wrap it all around a kielbasa, which is far from <laughs> vegetarian. But yeah, we were we were oh, wow. we were celebrating here. We had so much fun with the uh, mm. Warren parade that Brett Curtis mm -hmm. called, and mm -hmm. we had a couple hours of special patriotic music, which I, I personally found quite moving. It was uh, yes. uh, it was uh, all in all uh, a fine yeah. holiday time, and we thank all the people and of course our listeners who participated. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, my son is up from New York with his wife. Allison, my son Mike, and my two grandsons, Silas and August, and uh, they actually visited the radio station here just before we went on air. And uh, it <laughs> it's like nothing they've ever seen. <laughs> it all happens here, huh? <laughs> yeah, we, we say this is where the magic happens. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Allison had said uh, something about that. It feels like there's ghosts here. And I said it's been a long time. This WDEV has been going on. Well, you know, there's 85, not, more than 87. 87, yeah. 87 years. Well, no, 88 now. We used to say four score and seven years <laughs> last year, but now. Now it's technically, well, actually, numerically, 88 yeah, years yeah, in. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, um, and I'm sure they had lots of gardens even back then. That's when your garden was your grocery store. <laughs> you go to the market, it was out the back door. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always, uh, I, I, I have this little thing pinned to my, you know, taped to my refrigerator. Mm -hmm. I wish I had it as a refrigerator magnet because I yeah. market it. But it said, uh, try organic food or what your grandparents called food. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Well, I, I one time posted on the Facebook page there the picture of the the two ladies, uh, you know, in the garden. Yeah. And, you know, this was 1940s grocery store. <laughs> let's, I think we have a caller on the oh, line already. Oh, super. Great. Uh, okay. Great. Okay. Unless it's a bill collector, we'll see what happens. Yes. We're going directly on the air. I hope you're calling in the garden. Uh, your first name in town? I am, uh, Brenda and Huntington. Hey, Brenda. <clears throat> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, first I wanted to thank you, Peter, for giving the advice about uh, the uh, kale last year and oh. the uh, root maggots. Root oh, maggots. Yep, yep. And I followed your advice this time. Yeah. And I... You know, I dipped. I was before I put them in the soil. I dipped them in water, and then I rolled them gently in some wood ash, and oh, then yeah. I planted them, and they are so happy. Oh, fantastic! So thank you very much. Well, thanks for uh, <laughs> calling to let me know. Yeah, but I also have a question sure. um, about uh, my potatoes. Yep. Um, there's some kind of creature that is boring these little holes, see-through holes, through all the oh. potato leaves. Yeah, and that's I'd really like beetles. to know what that is. Yeah, it's flea beetles. You know. And what do they look like? Uh, they look like a little flea, they, and you'll oh. notice. Uh, you probably won't see them because as soon as they notice any motion, they they jump just like a little beetle. But if you were okay. to, I mean, like a little flea, if you were to look closely at them, if you were able to capture one yeah. and look at them, he would look just like a um, okay. a, a flea with giant legs that jump all over, and they will bore holes throughout. Are they black, sort of black, blackish, totally okay. black. Yeah, yeah. They look like yeah. Yeah, you, you may have seen them, but I'm sure it's an accident because they like to okay. disappear as quickly. And you'll look at your thing as like, well, where are these holes from? Um, the, well, I'll just sneak up on them a little quieter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you dress all in black, they'll think you're one yeah, of them. Yeah, I'll try to something, but at least I know what they are. So thank you very much. Well, but uh, let me let me finish here because okay. yes, please. You, you can ignore them, and they, generally speaking, don't do much permanent damage. Damage. Right. The, the potato plants otherwise look pretty good. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the, good. And, and that's, uh, you know, other than sometimes occasionally, and it's a rare occurrence, they might carry a disease. But for the most part, they just, uh, they go in there on those fresh leaves and, and uh, then they start their cycle over again. Yeah. They're all done. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you felt as though it was an infestation that was huge and it was damaging your crops, you can dust, no. you can put a dust on their uh, diatomaceous earth or, yeah, you okay. know, any of that stuff. And, and, but all but right. you don't need to. Yeah, good. Good. I, I just don't want. What to kind have of this. potatoes are you growing? Uh, well, uh, believe it or not, some of them are from uh, Vermont potatoes that I bought to eat. Oh yeah. Well, and um, at then, farmers market or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Then I planted. I think I bought some goose yeah. or yeah. seed potatoes, but I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just you know put them in there and they're all coming up, so that's good. Have you ever grown uh, uh, potatoes just for new potatoes? It, it was something yeah. I was thinking of the other day. Is uh, maybe planting a batch of, of potatoes to plan to harvest just before the frost that were small. Ooh, yes. Because, uh, well, like this morning, instead of potato salad, we put uh, those new potatoes. You know, they're about an inch or an inch and a half around. And uh, I cook them up in, uh, in an air fryer. 
Mm-hmm. And other than the little bit of salt and a little bit of oil that they're cooked in, you, they don't need anything. You can mm-hmm. pop them in there. And even the kids were eating them this morning. I, I was uh, very pleased. Yeah, it's very Excellent. good. Yeah, so that got me wondering about okay. growing new potatoes. So Great. I'll let you know. Okay, well, thank you very much. Brenda, thanks for the call. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. Our telephone numbers, by the way, are uh, 244-1777 and toll free. I always get that one wrong. That, that, <laughs> you have that in front of you there? <laughs> oh, yeah. 1-877-291-8255. Yeah, it used to be pinned right up in front of us here. Oh, well, I've got one here, so... Well, you know, my, the mistake I make is that uh, over the years I have been at a number of broadcast facilities. I, I have this penchant for uh, for mentioning the wrong call letters. That, uh, most dramatically here a few years ago when we had two extra Boston Red Sox tickets for a game that was like the next day. So yeah. way too late for a contest. So I said, we'll take the 10th caller on. or the, And of course, I was going to take anybody that was, could use them. And we uh, gave the number. Of course, I gave the number of a Burlington radio station. <laughs> But two days later, I had the courage to call. I said, were you getting funny phone calls about Red Sox? <laughs> yeah, were you? <laughs> Apparently, their phones exploded. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. Anyway, they, we're they talking should gardening. Have, they <laughs> should have known it was you. Yeah, okay. But our numbers well, are 877-291-8255 plus the 244 number that always works, 1777. You got it. And go. so um, what? Uh, a couple of things. You know, it's July. It's hot out there. And um, even though it might rain a little bit today, right, you can just about bet that you need to water. I mean, you need to water. You need to provide your garden an inch of, uh, of rain. And um, that, uh, if you ask any commercial gardener or farmer, I mean, market gardener, um, you know, irrigation is uh, essential. Now, a lot of us don't really set up irrigation systems or anything like that. So it means you need to water. Yes, things will grow. Yes, they will grow better with water. So most of your plants are 80% or more uh, water. And that's one of the most essential ingredients. And as much as they need the N and the P and the K, the, the nitrogen, potassium, uh, and potash, they, they need water. And one of the best ways, and I'm sure you've heard me say this before, but one of the best ways to double check that your that your watering is working is just simply stick your finger in the ground, and if it feels dry going down all the way at the end, you know, the five or six inches, then you know it really needs water. Even if it's rained, even if, you know, it's rained, you think, a lot, a lot of times the rain coats the surface of the soil and then evaporates. We think it rains. Of course, it's going to soak down in. Not so. A lot of times, the, uh, particularly in hot weather, the, the rains that come down will evaporate before they ever really penetrate to the root system. So, um, you know, I, I water with a five-gallon bucket and a, and a plastic tub, you know, one or two-cup tub, uh, you know, like a yogurt container that, that size. And it's easy to, to do. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a nice evening chore. Um, and or you can you know in the morning if that's if that's your time when you like it when the bugs are uh, too cold to come out. Um, so 
you want to make sure that you do that for each and every plant that you have. Now, if you have like uh, oh radishes or something like that uh, you, that's in a group, you know, you might want to use a wand, one of the watering wands, and uh, I get one um, uh, from one of our sponsors, and it's a it's a great little tool, and it it doesn't it it's there's no power to it; it just dribbles. And um, that's really important is as you're watering, you want to make sure you're not spraying and actually digging up the soil around this root system. So that when you're watering, and that's why I like the cup is because it just lays the water down. And I've seen some people, they'll water from maybe six, eight inches up and pour, and then that just drills a hole and you're disturbing the root system. So you want to just be gentle around the roots pour your water, you know, keep it close to the surface so that you're just pouring it onto it and you're not drilling a hole. And the same thing, choose your watering wand carefully. And, and a lot of them will say, you know, it's like rainwater, you know, it, 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 it just uh, dribbles down like, you know, softly. And so as you're watering, you want to make sure you're not drilling any holes next to your, next to your plants. But what what do you think of of course the uh, the multiple choice ones that yeah, I have yep. gentle shower is well gentle I, shower is good no uh, and and I'm glad you brought that up because the important thing is not the leaves you're not watering the leaves where the plant actually gets its its water is on the roots so you want to make sure you're watering down near the roots. And my question, though, yep. was a preface to, what do you think of a, a root water, a root wand? I bought one a long time ago, and uh, I've neglected to use it, but it was at a time that I was trying to tap the minds of these people that were uh, <laughs> growing, trying to grow, and succeeding to grow huge, uh, you name it, uh, pumpkins, oh, or, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, even the... Uh, uh, Hubbard squash, uh, anything that had to potentially yeah. grow, and these guys used uh, 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 of course, yeah. yeah, right. You know, and and it's overkill for sure. You know, for for most of your garden things, so you could use that easily on a tree or a bush or you know something where it is hard to really penetrate then and get the water down there deep. But you know, again, it's it's mostly for the uh, um, you know the exception is the exception, not the rule. So, leave it in the storage shed. You don't really need it. <laughs> well, we, we we tried every little trick at everybody's secret. But <laughs> I don't know. There are some people that are still keeping the important secrets from me because I have yet to get uh, a 300-pound. I've gotten some big ones, but nothing like what I see at the fair. They water them every day. Right. I mean, they're oh, yeah, not just yeah. watering, but oh, they also feed them they every feed day. They feed them. The, it, you know, the two most amazing things ha that happened that I could verify. One guy was, uh, his pumpkin was growing, I think it went up to about 700 pounds, was yeah. growing so fast yeah. that he was in the garden and he heard this pop where the thing actually <laughs> broke open by itself. You know, not while it was watering it, but it was growing uh, too fast for its own skin, believe yeah, it or not. Yeah, and I, that, that can happen. Yeah, yeah so. I believe it. I believe it. Well, I mean, it can happen to a cherry tomato, so... Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> yeah, and that's, yeah, that, that seemed to be the answer to all the calls about split tomatoes and everything, mm -hmm. intermittent watering. Yeah. But what the tomato thinks is intermittent watering, and yeah. what we think the exactly. takes a lot of experience and practice. And uh, you're, you're, yes, with the tomato and the cherry tomatoes is picking when it, as soon as they start to look ripe and let them finish indoors and then they they're less likely to crack you know that's that's the way i've figured out how to do it but um so 
If you've heard any of my show, right, you know that uh, one of my theses after the Garden Basics is, is to plant and plant and plant more. More or less, there's no time during the summer and on into the fall when there isn't something that you could or should be planting if you've got an open space. You know, about now you've pulled up all those old radishes that you know for sure aren't going to bulb. You've pulled up a lot of the, you know, the lettuces that have started to bolt, which they should. I mean, that's fine. The spinaches, they're all gone, right? So you've got space in your garden to keep planting. And there's so many things that are good to plant now and give you a second or in some cases a third crop. Uh, now, if for some reason, you know, your bro broccoli, you've decided to go ahead and cut it down after you got your first, uh, the first head of broccoli, you can plant a, a second planting of that. You want to look for your short season varieties. Um, in uh, in uh, one of the seed catalogs, it's mentioned uh, three things for planting now. One was beets, and of course, beets is great because you get two crop, you get a two for one on beets because the beet greens, even on a full size beet, are actually very good, very tasty, and very useful. Some you'll notice at the farmers markets, some farmers actually uh, sell them as uh, the you know both the beets and the greens, and they'll they'll wrap them up that way. And the greens are terrific; they cook up just like a, like a spinach or a Swiss chard or something. And then, of course, you've got the beets. And my wife has been using the air fryer again to, to uh, cook the beets, and I'm surprised. They, they come out so sweet, so delicious on those, and it's a pretty way, good way to handle them. The other one, of course, is kale. Um, you probably have big kale now by now. It's probably up, uh, what, 18 inches or something around there, starting to pull those bottom leaves. Well, um, if you plant kale again now, you'll have it uh, right on in through November. You'll be able to have kale on the, uh, the Thanksgiving table. And so uh, the beets and the kale, you can plant now. And we'll go over some more. I think we have a call, though, right? Oh, yes, indeed. Okay. Yes, indeed. We have a Lola calling us from Robert Frost Country. Right. In Riston. Yes, indeed. Here we go. And she's on. Hello. Hey. Welcome. Hi. To say hello, to let you know that I did exactly what you didn't want me to do. Uh-oh. I thought, those guys, they want me to be old and weak. And so, anyway, we I just about finished hacking out the back garden. Yeah. And, yes, it's been a great deal of work pulling, not just you know, the black raspberries and the baby maple trees and the baby poplar trees. Yeah. And then on Thursday, I had the privilege of visiting my famous little sister, the flutist who moved from Montpelier, your neck of the woods, to Weybridge. And oh, Lord, she's got an old farmhouse, all beautiful, with beautiful gardens. Oh, Lord, mm -hmm. big sunshine, you know, a tree here, a tree there. Mm -hmm. And I thought, boy. It's not fair. I know. Is that Karen? Yes, it is Karen. Oh, yeah. My wife takes lessons with her. Good. Yeah. And then yesterday, I spent most of the afternoon, it was hot, Yeah. out in my garden. Okay, so... The, and, but wait. You go ahead. Go ahead. You know what? Mm. It's a beautiful spot. <laughs> no sounds of highways, no sounds of machines, just me and the garden, and yes, the forest. Yep. And... um. A lot less bugs because we live up here where the bugs don't like to come because it's bitter cold, mm. only 85 degrees, not 90. Mm. Um, 
And so I think to each their own. And I am trying to follow your rules other than making the race beds. <laughs> just had to share that with you. And, um, well, the last time we talked, you had you were having a problem with uh, the grasshoppers in the greenhouse. Yes. Okay. They do not respond to neem. Uh-huh. And I think I'd mentioned to you that uh, the product that I've been using is uh-huh. not available in Vermont anymore. Huh? For whatever reason, it has nothing to do with agricultural laws or anything like that. So I talked to a woman at UVM, uh-huh. and I was able to get, uh, how shall we say it, a partial part of the product that mm-hmm. I've been using. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, what you're going to do is you're going to go to the co-op, she was a big fan of the co-op, yeah. and buy bran. Okay. You're going to mix up the solution that you've paid $88 for, yeah. part of it with the bran, and sprinkle it around the greenhouse, which is what I've done. Mm. Thus far, there's still too many grasshoppers to make me... There's so many grasshoppers. Yeah. They've all gravitated, and this is curious, maybe you have something to say about this. Uh-huh. I've got a big old oregano plant in there. Yeah. And, oh my gosh, every stem. You uh-huh. don't even know what a stem looks they, like. They stripped it. They, well, that's the thing. They just live there. They're not munching it. They're munching on everything else. And they're living, habitating at the giant oregano plant. Huh. So I'm going to put another batch of this brand down um, tomorrow morning. Uh-huh. We mixed it up last night, trying to let it dry out. Yeah. And see if they begin to respond huh. by going hop, hop, instead of hop, hop, hop. Um. Yeah, there's still a problem. If you have anything more to say, I will accept your advice. <laughs> um, um, uh, what was it you were mixing with the brand? I... Oh, well, you've got to forgive me, but I have to step into the place of the house where it is. Oh, okay. All right. It's one of those, huh? It's one of those. Uh, it's not, one of the, it's not a one-syllable. One, one <laughs> different products, but um, I, I can dig it up. Well, that's why, uh, you know, I recommend Neem because it's so easy to say. <laughs> yeah, but apparently, at least for this uh, this subspecies of grasshopper, they think Neem mm, Have you tried the good. Have you tried the spinosad, though, like the Captain Jack dead bug? Yeah, and, that, nope. Nope, that doesn't touch a grasshopper. Doesn't seem to make them, mm-hmm. I don't know, like I mentioned the first time I called, yeah. perhaps I've created this super genre. Oh, I doubt that. Uh, I doubt that too. At least I want to doubt that with yeah, all my heart. Yeah, I think you should. Because that would be bad. Is this yeah. the stuff right here? This may be it. I don't want to clog you guys up for okay. too long. All right. But, yep. So, um, Botanigard 22WP Wettable Powder Myco insecticide, and I guess the inert ingredient, the active ingredient is something called Bouveria bassiana. bassiana. Okay, all right. Well, I'm gonna look it up. I'm curious as to what you're using there. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm. I mean, uh, I'm not trying to rub it in anything, but I don't have a grasshopper problem. So I'm kind of curious, Good. though. Uh, you know how that came about. You know, because uh, a lot of people do have problems with grasshoppers. But when we did uh, uh, the uh, asparagus beetle, um, it took us about three years to really get a handle on them. And uh, I think that uh, um, they may be back this year. But oh, 
So yeah, some things like that just take a constant, uh, constant work. Well, Do you have a poem for us this year? This I would day? love to share a poem with you. And this kind of, in a strange way, circles back to the good old grasshoppers. One of the things that maybe you'd mentioned, maybe someone else didn't, which I do diligently, keep the grass around the greenhouse cut. <laughs> and I do. Um, grass, blackberry bushes, and everything else. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Frost, whom I'm currently reading an excellent biography of, Mm -hmm. by uh, Jay Perini. He, um, he, boy, that man moved around a lot, but he ultimately bought some land in South Shaftesbury, land, a farm. Mm -hmm. And for a while he thought, well, you know, poetry and farming, they, they go together, don't they? They go pretty well. And of course, a few weeks later, Michigan University of Michigan called him and said, hey, dude, we want you out here. So his son took over and did an incredible job of running this farm for his papa. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that he was constantly being aware of is you got to keep the trees down. Mm -hmm. And he wrote this poem called The Last Mowing. Mm -hmm. And it goes, there's a place called Faraway Meadow. We never shall mow in again, or such is the talk at the farmhouse. The meadow was finished with men. The place for the moment is ours. Nope, nope, all messed up. Then now is the chance for the flowers that can't stand mowers and plowers. Um, it must be now, though, in season, before the not mowing brings trees on, before trees seeing the opening march in for a shadow we claim. It's no more men I'm afraid of. It's the only trees I'm afraid of. The flowers can't bloom in their shade. And then... Um, place for the moment is ours, for you, all tumultuous flowers, to go to waste and go wild in all shapes and colors of flowers. I needn't call you by name. Um, and if I didn't say that properly, forgive me, but I think it's mostly right. Mm, and mm. it's a beautiful poem. And once again, I came back from my sister's beautiful, beautiful estate. And um, I looked into one of my other gardens, which isn't... It, it, it needs work. It definitely needs some work. We've got all kinds of wild plants coming up. But I thought, hey, what's that yellow plant? It was evening primrose from many years <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah. And because it's, we hadn't it's eaten It's beautiful, it. isn't it? Yeah. So you got to go with what you got. Mm -hmm. And um, Well, Noah, thanks, uh, thanks for the poem. Well, thanks for the patience. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so final thought, and I'll let you guys go, yeah. and I should probably not do this on the radio, but no. I would like to write you and Joel a letter inviting you to come to Ripton sometime in August and do a talk called It Ain't Over Till It's Over. Because <laughs> okay. it drives me crazy. Oh, well, it's time to pack up so we can rake leaves. We shouldn't stop gardening. We, we should keep going all the so way into you, November. You heard what I was saying is to just keep planting. <laughs> yes, and that's how I feel too. So we need to encourage people to do that. It's not foolish. Yeah. It's you know, there are plants that don't mind this uh, well, change of season. Thanks. I appreciate the reinforcement. Okay. Take care. All right. Take care. Well, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We've got a notice here passed on from the office about um, the hunting wild mushrooms. Now, I think we had somebody um, uh, talk to ask that question on the show, oh, maybe uh, three or four weeks ago. And this is the uh, Green Mountain Club. 
And the Green Mountain Club uh, is doing a hunting wild mushrooms Saturday, August 10th. So if you're interested in that, you ought to you ought to contact them and see. It looks like it'd be a uh, very interesting. Um, it's a limited res. Uh, registration 20 people does cost some money 40 bucks um so uh, and this is august 10th and they want at least a week ahead uh, for uh reservations um this uh, it looks very interesting the green mountain uh, club visitor center uh is where it's going to be and uh it's waterbury center green mountain Okay, we'll we'll pass that on a couple of times up and down. Yeah. But uh, yeah. if you're interested in searching mushrooms, uh, Google the Green Mountain Club. We've got Club. headquarters right here in Waterbury, and so mm-hmm. it should be interesting. Mm-hmm. I always my my strategy <laughs> for hunting. I'm not. I have absolutely no knowledge whatsoever. I, I, you know, I, I go to the A and P, and it was a big <laughs> pile of mushrooms. Those I know are good. But if you're out in the woods foraging, you kind of have to know have to what know. mushrooms. Okay. Yes. So, okay. So, the initial strategy was mm-hmm. to follow someone uh-huh. who is foraging for mushrooms and do what they do. Mm-hmm. But how do you know whether that person knows any know? more than you do? That's right. So find somebody who's foraging for mushrooms who's very old. <laughs> And then the odds are that you'll be safe. <laughs> so that's my plan. <laughs> Enough said. Okay, we've got Rich at Starksboro. Okay, Rich. <laughs> we well, welcome, Rich. What's up? Hi, Peter. How are you? Good, good. Good to hear from you, Rich. Yeah, good to hear from you. Um, I. Oops. Uh, you're cutting out on me, Rich. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me move over here. Okay. Yeah, okay. You seem to be good there. Okay. Do you want to start um, again? Because I didn't hear any of it. Okay. When we were getting our beds ready and adding more. A yep. little bit more perfect soil and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I found roots in the in the soil. Yeah, sure. And I and I what I I dug down. Mm-hmm. And and I I put soil cloth under the beds when they were laid down. Sure. Complete. Yeah. And so I then I laid the beds on the soil cloth. Yeah. And something has grown right up through the soil cloth. Oh. I actually have quarter inch quarter inch mesh hardware cloth on the staples on the bottom of the box so it's going up through the quarter inch holes yeah and i was and there's a lilac a big lilac bush about uh i don't know 12 feet away from the sure from the uh from the from the garden yep um is uh it, w- would that be what's coming up through? Or? That's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, it, is what's coming up actually sort of barky or is it grassy? It's, um, I mean, if, what, the, if there's bark and green leaves, yeah, it's probably that lilac. But if it's grassy, then it's just the quack grass just coming up through. Well, nothing's emerging from the soil. Oh. Nothing's, nothing's popping through the top of the soil. It's just roots. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Um, pretty much, uh, there's no reason that you can't, that, that, that your regular garden stuff isn't going to live in harmony with those things. Uh, I can't think of anything that's particularly toxic. I mean, if you mm-hmm. notice, uh, something reacting, then, you know, uh, like your tomatoes or something. I haven't, I haven't heard that tomatoes don't like lilacs or, 
Um, the worst of the bunch really is like the black walnut that that seems seems to be very toxic to a lot of plants. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so you're saying it, just let them let them stay there? Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about them. You know, if if you find that it's doing something, then you can dig down and hack them out. But yeah, uh, that's kind of what I did. But yeah, it seems like uh, it it's like going to be like an annual battle to yeah to dig them dig them out. Well, just leave one bed uh, the next year and see if it um, if anything kind of sprouts up through. And then if it does, mm-hmm. then you know Identify that's a, it's, the plant. it's a battle okay. that you have to you have to make. You know, so mm-hmm. if not, then you know it, it's fine. A lot of times, yeah. root systems uh, mycelium follows the root systems as it goes through the soil. So in some ways, roots going through underneath your garden bed is could be an advantage. Whereas, you know, those roots, the roots of a tree or any other plant or bush are, are not as permanent as a branch on the, on the top of the tree. You know, they're going to, they're going to penetrate the soil, branch out. Some of them will die. Some of them will actually fertilize your, your soil a bit and aerate the soil. So, you know, oh. not, not really a huge problem unless they start coming up through and acting like weeds. Uh, and yeah. I had that problem with my blackberries. The blackberries are very adventurous. <laughs> they'll come mm-hmm. up, they'll come up yards and yards away from the the main bush and the main the main place. So, um, and that's definitely a permanent battle. Yeah. Is there a soil cloth that will? Stop these coming up through, like road fabric or something. Or? You know, I I don't care for the soil cloth except on the path on the pathways. The pathways I like the soil cloth a lot. I re- highly recommend that. Under the bed, though, I like the the roots of my plants uh, to have access to all, all as far deep and down as they want to go. Uh, I'd rather right. battle with the weeds or the you know anything coming up through. So. Oh. Okay. Um, um, I was going to say it goes back to my uh, suggestion a year or two ago. I made that maybe good place to have raised beds would be on an abandoned tennis court. <laughs> <laughs> I go for the abandoned garden plot. You know, I think the soil is yep. really nice and deep and really well turned over. <laughs> yep. But uh, I don't see why not. I've seen seen a few boxes on old parking lots, so (laughs) I don't see why you couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, are you growing, Rich, are you growing blueberries this year? No. No. I didn't know if maybe you had some. I noticed uh, my blueberries were actually looking really good today. Uh, They're, Mm -hmm. you know, green and really well filled out, and it's probably time to start spraying them, but... uh, um, I was kind of curious if anybody else was going to start spraying theirs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, just to yeah. just to refresh my memory, yeah. one five gallon bucket of of, uh, of of sphagnum peat moss, one five gallon bucket of compost, one five gallon bucket of of um, yeah of vermiculite, and a cup cup of lime. Yeah, cup of lime. A uh, cup of Azomite. Yeah, that's right. A cup of cup of Progro. That's yep, how much Progro. And then so uh, it's uh, and three then, buckets then, to uh, to a cup. Three uh, buckets of soil material to a cup. Okay, so five, yeah. let's let's take a step back. What we're talking about is a four foot by four foot six inch bed, and that mm-hmm. takes uh, eight cubic feet of perfect you know perfect soil. 
Eight mm -hmm. cubic feet actually is three buckets of peat moss, three buckets of vermiculite, and three buckets oh, of compost. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Three, three, so, and three, 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 and three. Three. That's right. And okay. then, and then, and that uh, the the cup of lime, the cup of fertilizer, cup of sea kelp, the azomite, um, those things are soil additives uh, that you do once a year, um, but. Uh, for anything that you're growing that's a heavy feeder or whatever, read the package, you know, of your pro-grow, and it'll say, you know, add a tablespoon or a teaspoon uh, per square foot every two weeks. So go mm -hmm. ahead and keep feeding it the the fertilizer, and that will make a big difference along with your watering. You'll have... A, yep. You'll have very healthy, very healthy crops, and uh, you know a nice harvest from each of them makes a big difference. Really helps a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Peter. Okay, Rich. I'm good luck. I'm not so excited about those roots as I was before. Yeah, so don't worry about them. To... Okay. Good. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't. There's too many things in this world you just say not worry about. Anymore. <laughs> 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 Take care, buddy. Okay. Thank you, Rich. And uh, hey, we've got phone calls coming in. Now okay. Let's hear from our buddy Terry, you're on with uh, Peter. Hey, Terry. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, uh, you guys got the weather yet? Um, uh, Joe was getting an alert. Uh, they, they said there may be a storm coming. There's something coming from, uh, well, we, we do expect a, a, a an alert bulletin from the National Weather Service. We haven't had it yet. That's probably what the bulletin is going to be when it comes. Yeah, well, I'm in Moncton, and we just had one hell of a light. Right? Oh, in Moncton, okay. Heavy, heavy rain, really pretty. All right, all right. Anyway, well, thanks for my, the weather report. Appreciate it. My, my question is uh, for the scientists in you. Yeah. Last year and this year, we haven't had any deputy beetles. Oh, is that right? Now, did, did Trump take away their passports or what? <laughs> that was a setup. That was a setup, but it was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if only he could control the immigration of the ash borer. Yeah, well. <laughs> you know, it's from well, China why, after all. Are there any answers as to what uh, happened? Every, every bug in every, uh, you know, every particular disease has cycles. You know, you will have years, and I'm sure you were witness to a couple of years, uh, maybe four years ago when we had a heck of a time with the, um, uh, you know, the late blight. And yeah. um, last year, and so far this year, even though I thought this year was going to be a bad year, I haven't noticed any any problems with late blight. Um, Japanese beetles, just like the um, just like any of the other uh, caterpillars, they run in cycles, and um, you know the that will happen. Um, and there may be many uh, you know many climate conditions in your own. Uh, uh, area where you are that make a difference you know maybe you put something on the lawn that they didn't like maybe you put some lime on it you know so, something may have happened that uh to set them back uh, well, I, they I, will I, be back I, and this is this is the time of year when you want to set out the traps and uh, just for your own uh scientific experiment to set out the traps and see if you get any and then you'll know better whether they've disappeared or whether they've just set back a little bit. Oh, uh, they disappeared. I mean, last year I had none. Uh -huh. This year I haven't had even one. So. Well, I'll let you borrow some. Oh, 
Anyway, you guys have a great day. All right, Terry. Thanks for the weather report. We appreciate it. Okay, I think it is coming our way from uh, what we have indicated, but we'll uh, we'll wait for the official word from the weather service. Okay. We have uh, we have to check and see how it's uh, what's happening in Plainfield. Andy in Plainfield is. Hey, Andy. Hi, Peter. How are you? Good. Um, We will get some weather, I'm sure, at some point. We don't have any at the moment. Yeah. I'm calling about blueberries because, like you, I've got a big crop. There's a lot out this this year. I remember you talking about spraying them with neem oil, so... Uh-huh, or the spinach head. Anyway, I had I had some neem oil in the garage, so I went yeah. and pulled it out and read it. And yeah. basically, you're supposed to cover every part of your body, and if you expose yourself to it, you've got to wash your hands for 30 minutes. Yeah. And I'm thinking, is this something I want to put on something I'm going to eat later? Yeah, yeah no, it, it's true. It's always... Uh, um... <laughs> Oh, what do you say? Juggling, you know, you're you're deciding whether you want a crop with neem on it or you want it. Uh, for the most part, though, the neem is, has a short half-life and it's not really going to be there when you go to pick it. You're also, uh, you know, you pretty much want to wash any, any vegetable, whether you buy it or grow it, um, no matter what. So, uh, you know, we wash our vegetables except for the few that we actually eat out there in the, in the field. But, um, you know, uh, I don't, if it was bad for you, it would say exactly what the half-life is or, you know, how soon after. Matter of fact, it does in the, in the directions tell you how soon after you spray you can actually eat the crop. So double check that. That's, that's the important ingredient and make sure you wash them. You know. Have you ever used vinegar traps for the flies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, vinegar traps are great. You know, they work well. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. I'm, I haven't looked up a recipe yet, but I think I'd be interested in maybe others. Well, uh, the, the recipe is just regular old vinegar. Um, uh, I don't thin it with anything. Um, and there, ooh, what, there are so many different designs out there, but the, the essential is if you ever... Um, Use a a vinegar trap for the fruit flies in your house, in the kitchen. Mm, I've never done that. Oh, yeah. Well, it works exactly like that. The idea is there's a small hole. They're attracted to the vinegar. They go in. They, you know, they dive in, get wet. Or even if they don't get wet, they can't get back out. And um, that's the idea. And it's very effective if you, particularly if you have a compost bin and you've got fruit in there or something like a cantaloupe or, or you know, anything that happens to have the fruit flies on it. And, and that's, the fruit fly is, is, is exactly the same type of uh, a bug that, that infects the, the uh, puts, lays the eggs in the blueberries. So... Um, the vinegar traps for outdoors uh, usually hang, and I, I'm not quite sure. Let's see, what was it? It was like a ten feet in between. So I've got five bushes, and I use two. So, um, so this is not something I could make myself. It's a commercial product. You oh, I don't know why you couldn't. I don't know why not. Okay. Um, you know, Gardener Supply, well, actually, Agway, all, you know, Blue Seal, they all have uh, uh, little traps for uh, fruit flies. Um, and so it's, it's pretty easy to set up. Okay. So 
I might try that as plan B. Well, you know what? Uh, now that you say that, I'm going to see homegrown uh, fruit fly. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. I will let you know what I come up with. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, but it's going to be, a, assuming they don't all get eaten by the birds and everything, it looks like it's going to be a big year. For it looks them. like it's a great year. Yeah, I was surprised they're already starting to fill out. Okay, good. That's my question. I okay, and uh, uh, do me a favor. If you come up with something, uh, let me know. All yeah, right. I'll do it. I was literally going to put out, like, little cans of, of vinegar and just leave them open. And That's fine, too. You know, they if you, if you give it some sort of a little cover so that the rainwater doesn't get in there, um, they will just come in and they'll just they'll fly right into that stuff. And most of the time they just get wet and that's what kills them. Yeah, the idea that they would then fly out and escape, it seems like the, the vinegar would kill them. Mm -hmm. I have heard that there's a, a recipe where you put in a little dish soap or something to stiffen the surface so they can yeah yeah the surfactant idea is so that if they land on it uh you know they can't float on it so that uh, as soon as they land on it they sink in and uh, wouldn't be any harm at all mostly the vinegar is um attracts from the uh fragrance you know it's the smell of the vinegar that attracts them in all right, and any sort of vinegar will do? Sure, absolutely. Because cool. we, we, we use apple cider vinegar, uh, yeah, that's usually what we use, but I've got regular distilled vinegar, and that works just as well. Okay, well, that may be an alternative to the spinosad or the neem. Yeah, you know, uh, you watch your traps, see what you're getting. You know, if if you're not getting any, then you don't have the problem. Right. And uh, I was reading about them setting traps, and they they actually go to the trouble to, you know, look at them and see what kind of uh, flies they're catching to make sure to see if it's a problem. If it's a problem, then they spray. The worst year we've had is I lost maybe, I don't know, one out of eight berries or something like that, mm, yeah. um, which I can deal with because I have a lot. But yeah, yeah, but the problem is which one of those eight berries is the one. true. It's a little hard to tell when you're <laughs> that's, that's where the problem lies, <laughs> you know. Nobody wants to, uh, the extra protein, thank you. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time on this. Thank you. Sure, Andy. Okay, take care. We'll, we'll get back to you. This is either... The uh, National Weather Service, the boss, or hopefully a listener with a gardening question. <laughs> Welcome. Good uh, Good afternoon. You're on with Peter. Hi. Hi, this is Steve in Hinesburg. Hey, Steve. Welcome. Uh, I, I just started uh, some uh, asparagus this year, and I just wonder if I could, he could give me any advice on how to dig one. I planted roots, and they're, they're both, they're, they came up, and they... They're quite tall now, but I just wonder what they need or yeah. mulch or whatever. Yeah. Well, the the first year um, and and the second year, you probably don't want to um, harvest them. Harvest anything. You want to yeah. just you want to feed them. You want to treat them like uh, little babies that they are, and and feed them well. And remember to water them. Even though they, you know, you're not harvesting anything out of them, uh, if you feed them and water them, they will really like that. What you're trying to do is establish um, a great root system. Um, oh, okay. And and once you've established that great root system, then they will reward you with these, you know, thumb size, sometimes even bigger than that, 
um, spears in spring, which you can harvest for oh two or three weeks, and and then again you're done, and you still continue to feed them and water them throughout the season, even though you know it's sort of like putting a horse to pasture. You're you're going to um, you're going to have to uh, feed them, even though they're not being productive. What, what's the best feed for them? The best feed, uh, I go for just uh, the regular Pro Grow. Um, oh, okay. It gives you a, it gives you a, um, uh, it tells you how much. Uh, to put down. Yeah, how much to put down. How, how yeah. you know how. And what about the mulch? Uh, I have yeah. leaves that I've ground up. Is that? Yeah, leaves is great. Um, let me just uh, give you one primer on mulch. Don't use hay because there's right. so much weed seed in hay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so okay, as long as you know that. Uh, straw or, as, you know, like you were saying, the yeah. the leaves is great. Yeah, I got ground up leaves. I ground Perfect. up last fall. And- Couldn't be better. Couldn't be okay. better. And mulches are great, too, because it does help to break the cycle of the asparagus beetle. Well, the cycle of the asparagus beetle, the, you know, they goes down, lays the eggs, they crawl up, and and uh, and then, it, you know, you get an infestation. Um, uh, you know, probably the first year or two year, you're not going to see any of them. Uh, about the time you start to harvest uh, you might might start to see some, and it's just something to watch for. Uh, certainly not fatal, um, but it 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 does set things back. So you want to yeah, just I'll, keep your eye out for that. How how thick a mulch should I put on? Uh, a good two inches, maybe even three. I wouldn't I wouldn't go too much more than that, at least at this point. Yeah. Okay. And. Right. Um, uh, if you're going to mulch uh, during this during the season, uh, you you want to make sure you do it after the spears have come up so the spears aren't mulched too right, right, right. Okay. but after the season after the winter the mulch is thin enough it'll grow right through anything you put yeah. down whether it's straw or, or the leaf mold or any of those things but yeah should, should i trim off the uh the stalks that are growing now in the, um, fall? in the fall, yeah, it's usually a very good idea to go ahead and and trim those, um, trim the, uh, uh, oh, trim them. I mean, cut them right down. Just cut them right down and remove them from the site, and oh, okay. resist that temptation to just forget about them and let them fall over and all the rest, because that's that's the breeding ground for most of your insects. That'll be a problem oh. over the long run. So, if you can, uh, you know, either mulch those, chop them up, put them over the bank, uh, burn them, you know, any of those things is is the best way to handle the the asparagus okay. stalks when they when they dry out towards the end of the season. Well, very good. Yeah, and and if you do that, you probably have real good luck with uh, with the asparagus beetle. That that's a those are two things that'll help a lot: the mulch and getting rid of the stalks. Okay, very uh, good. Hey, enjoy. Nothing yep, like homegrown asparagus. Well, yeah, I mean, except except homegrown tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we yeah. put them on the grill, but you know what's as good as as asparagus right now is the. Um, the garlic scapes and you know, little olive oil and salt and, and pepper put those on the grill and four or five minutes on a side and they're just as good as asparagus <laughs> yum yeah. we're yeah. doing those right now <laughs> okay <laughs> all right uh, thank buddy. you very much yeah 
Thanks, Steve. Appreciate the call. And boy, this hour has gone by quickly, hasn't yeah, it? It's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I hardly believe it. And I have this, you know, one page of things that we can plant now, and I got through two. Okay. <laughs> well, we, have, we can take a couple of minutes just to maybe make a short list of a couple. Oh, sure. Well, I'll run through them quick. Uh, the, there was a question about the radishes that'll grow in the summer. That was the French breakfast and the, the white icicle. And there's a number of them that are that are listed for that uh dill and cilantro good time to plant them for the uh f you know for later on the in the season the cilantro to use with your tomatillas the dill for your pickles if you're going to make pickles um fennel now there's one that you uh you can grow now and uh it is a uh, great in a salad and also it's good to um to roast in the oven beets uh, terrific as a second crop. I'd mentioned that one already. Um, Swiss chard, the bright lights, the smaller ones. That's a that's a good crop for now. I just planted the perpetual spinach, which is a a type of uh, chard, and they're coming up and going real well. You can plant a second crop of uh, carrots right now, a mokum or a napoli, uh, napoli. Um, they're the smaller ones, but uh, they also recommend even the bolero, which is a huge. Uh, a, a good winter crop uh, so and they and they are frost tolerant so you'll be able to to put those in now uh, for your lettuces you want to focus on a romaine an iceberg and one that i found that actually uh, was recommended by high mowing uh, the nevada uh, grows really well in the heat and i really i like that one a lot it's a good uh, good one for this time of year arugula should be almost your third crop of arugula because that grows so quick and it's it's only good uh, so long. Um, the daikon radish, and I mentioned before, the Chinese cabbage, uh, those are, this is the time of year, the best time of year to grow those. Um, and you get a good crop by the end of, by the end of um, uh, September, October. Uh, Chinese cabbage, let's see, collards, absolutely terrific. Um, oddly enough, kohlrabi. Kohlrabi is good in 40, 60 days, and you got plenty of time to get a good crop on those. I was down at the Stone Barn, which is down in New York, and it's a great farm, an incredible farm. And literally, Joel, you will not believe their kohlrabis there were the size of a soccer ball. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, and that's no exaggeration. There were some that actually a little larger than that. And I was thinking, uh, you know, I wonder how that is on the inside, if it's just like too big or what, but nope, they, they were saying, you know, you can, you can do them, uh, you can pick them at um, four inches, you know, when they're a little smaller, or they will grow up to 10 inches if you wow. want a large wow. one. So uh, yeah, try some kohlrabi. Uh, scallions, you know, if you've got any onion sets left over, which I do in my mudroom, so I'm going to plant those for more scallions. That's great. Uh, the Chinese greens, the mizuna, the bok choy, the tatsoi, tatsoi, T-A-T-S-O-I, tatsoi. And that's a deep, dark green leaf. And I always plant that along with my daikon radish and, and Chinese cabbage because that makes a, it's a, and one of the ingredients in our uh, kimchi recipe. 
So topsoil. Of course, you can plant all your mescalines. Uh, you know, there's a, there's lettuce for varieties. There's mustard varieties. There's all kinds of varieties of mescaline, which is just basically a, a mix of stuff. And uh, you can try some late season red cabbage and regular cabbage and also escarole. Okay, that's the quick list right there. Okay, we will be back next week. In yes. the garden, indeed, yes. yep. So yeah. uh, no no Red Sox interference. No. We thank everybody for their participation and our fine sponsors. And we will see you in the garden next week. In the Garden with Peter Burke is brought to you by Menards Agway, your family true value neighborhood yard, garden, and pet place right there on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Grow Compost of Vermont, Route 2 in Moortown. The Willie Store, your true value store in Greensboro near Caspian Lake. They have most everything. Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you. Montpelier, Morrisville, Williston, and St. Albans. By Clausen's Florist and Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, Main Street in Colchester, and Clausen's.com. And I can't tell you, those Mega Monday coupons are, well, they save you money and always a great addition to your garden. PR Lumber, locally milled lumber for those raised beds or whatever your project happens to be. PR Lumber, family owned on Route 15 in Wolcott. And your locally owned Montpelier Agway. Seeds and feeds and so much more. Route 2 in Montpelier. And in Waitsfield on Main Street, V's Flowers and Garden Shop. Do join us again next Saturday at 12.30 during the noon hour for In the Garden with Peter Burke.